This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. We, uh, as we said we were going to, we're going to be sharing some of the wonderful things uh, that happened at SOTO. And one thing was we had some great talks by some some really uh, neat guys who are abiding in Christ. And so today we'd like to share a talk that was given by John Van Linton. He's one of our influencer brothers out in, in Bakersfield, California. And as we talked, uh, we were taking guys on a vertical journey and Rocky had spoken to the men about emptying your backpacks and getting ready for the journey. And we, we did a really cool bridge ceremony over this river and, uh, and it was a very powerful time. And then after that, John Van Linden got to speak to the men about what you need in your, in your new backpack as you start going on the vertical journey. And so here's John Van Linden talking about the nourishment you need for the journey. Hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon, men. Was that good this morning or what? Rocky bringing the word, bringing truth. And then we just got to spend some time with Papa, alone with him, asking him to reinforce and work, seal what he's doing in our hearts. And so I trust that was a rich time as well. How does it feel to be free? Yeah. So you know what Jesus said, right? Who the sun sets free is free. Come on. And that means forever. We are free men. But there's an important thing to think about, guys. Getting free and staying free are two different things. Anybody know that? Getting free and staying free are two different things. You know, most of us this morning, we emptied some junk out of our backpacks, right? I could almost hear the splashes as we walked across the bridge today, right? We dumped stuff out of our backpacks, and it would be kind of crazy to do what that guy on the video did this morning, to try to climb up a cliff with a, a rock tied to you, or with a backpack full of rocks, right? So we've, we've taken care of that. We've gotten the backpack empty, but it would be equally crazy to go on a serious climb with an empty backpack, Right? Who would want to head up a mountain without any equipment, without any stuff? And so that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit, is what we would want to put in our backpacks. Jesus actually talked about this, about the difference between getting rid of something and filling up with something. This is in Matthew chapter 12. This struck me a number of years ago as I was in an accountability group, and we were talking about getting rid of our junk, but we often didn't talk about what to replace it with. So this is Jesus, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, this is in uh, Matthew 12, verse 43. It says, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house, listen to this, unoccupied and swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. Oof. Worse than the first. So men, getting rid of those rocks, getting rid of that sin, those things that are holding us back is just the first step. It's a critical step. We have to take that step. 
We have to go through that process of confession. Rocky walked us through 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's happened, right? But now what do we do? I loved how we talked about repentance this morning, right? That idea of turning from. Turning from lust, porn, greed, guilt, unforgiveness, bitterness, right? All of those things that are holding us back from going vertical and having that relationship, turning away from those things. That's, that's a picture of what repentance is. But I want us to think about a different perspective on repentance. There's turning away, but there's also turning towards. And that's what I want to focus on today, guys. If we spend our time when we're, when we're in the act of repentance and we're always looking our, over our shoulder thinking, oh, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop looking at porn. I got to stop with this root of unforgiveness. What are our minds occupied with? That. Repentance means turning from, but more importantly, turning towards. Turning towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Guys, it's when we start renewing our minds, when we start filling our minds with, with, with who he is and what he's done for us, that stuff, see, it, it starts to become like refuse to us. We don't want it anymore. I love this old song. He's been bringing this to my mind today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You guys know that song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Guys, sin management, trying to not do the things that are tripping us up is a, is a recipe for failure. Anybody tried that? Sin management, right? Try to just stop doing it. I got to keep from doing that. I got to keep from doing that. Guys, it doesn't work. What works is when we're captivated with our savior, when we're captivated by his love for us, that stuff isn't attractive to us anymore. That's what we want to talk about today, guys. What do I replace that with? What do I need to go vertical? These are the thoughts that the Holy Spirit put on my heart over the last couple of months as I was thinking about this. Uh, guys, these are things you've heard before. This is not rocket science. You've heard all, everything Rocky said this morning either as well, right? The question is, do I believe it? Do I just know it in my head or do I actually believe that this is true and by virtue of believing because faith without what is dead works? If I'm not actually practicing these things, I actually don't believe them. I might know them in my head, but the litmus test for belief is action. Will I do these things? And so we're gonna walk through this list and guys, we could spend the entire weekend on each one of these individual things. And so, we don't have that kind of time. So I'm gonna go through this uh, today and there's gonna be a lot of scriptures up here on the screen and we're not gonna to refer to all of them, but I hope that if there's one that jumps out to you, you will write it down and you will self-feed on it tonight or tomorrow and ask the Holy Spirit to seal that truth in your heart. We're gonna talk about purpose, about a passion, about focus. We're gonna talk about some tools, the living word of God, a guide, the Holy Spirit, means of communication and support with others on the journey. So I just want to pray right now as we get into this and invite the Holy Spirit here. Father God, we love you. We love your truth, the truth of your word, the truth of what you've done for us. You've set us free. 
Father, we want to walk in that. We, want, we don't want to be hearers of your word any longer. We want to be doers of your word. So would you take the words that you're speaking today and would you combine them with faith in our hearts so that a hundredfold crop would be produced? Father, we don't want to walk out of here the same guys that came up here on this mountain. So would you change us? Would you give us a fresh perspective on these timeless truths? Would you give us the gift of faith to mix with the reading of your word in Jesus' name? Amen. Guys, this first notion about purpose, about passion is, is hugely important. We're in this culture that reinforces that life is about me. You get that? Life is about me. I'm what's most important. And that's part of the trouble with having purpose and passion to pursue God because I'm too stuck on myself. I'm too busy chasing my own stuff. We want the purpose and passion to know and love our Father God. Not because it's someone else's idea, not because someone else says I do, but it's in response to what he's done for me. He's my creator. He created me. He made me. And by virtue of that, he owns me. I wasn't made to come on this planet and accumulate a bunch of stuff for my own comfort. And when I spend time doing that, that's why I wind up messed up and disenchanted with life. Because ultimately, that will never fulfill. The only thing that will fulfill is a true relationship with my king. He's my creator. Not only did he create me, but he's my sustainer. Every breath I draw comes from him. Not a hair falls from my head without his knowledge. That's my king. He created me, he sustained me, and then he redeemed me. You know what blows my mind, guys, is that when he created me and you, he knew it would come to this right here. He knew it would come to Calvary. It's not like that snuck up on him. Like, oh, man, those humans, they messed up. I'm going to have to come up with plan B. He knew it. And he loved us enough to create us anyway because he wants fellowship with us. And he says, it's worth my own son. Guys, it seems insane that sometimes I don't have the, the passion to know him better. It seems crazy to me, right? When you talk like that, he's my creator, he's my sustainer, he's my savior. And yet, is he first in my life? I ask myself that question and, and I don't like the answer. Is he first in my life? I've been invited to a relationship with my king. When I need recalibration on this, sometimes when I get up in the morning and I think I got to go to my job and I don't have time to spend with my king, I've been training myself to recalibrate my thinking. And, and a couple of passages up here are my favorites, the throne room in Revelation 4 and 5. Guys, if you want to get a little perspective on who you are and who God is, read Revelation 4 and 5 about what is going on in the throne room, about what we're going to be doing when we see him face to face. In heaven, the 24 elders are surrounding the throne and the living creatures are there and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and who is and who is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive honor and glory and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. And then there's some sadness in heaven because there's these scrolls and nobody can open them. And they're weeping. And, and one of the elders says, don't weep because there is one who's worthy. And he says, you are worthy. Worthy is the lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Listen to this, guys. Because you were slain and because you purchased men with God with your blood. You purchased men for God with your blood. We've been bought with a price. 
And guys, when I worship that way, all of a sudden things get in the right perspective. (laughs) All of a sudden spending time with him seems like a pretty good idea. And so I just invite you into that of recalibrating your heart and your mind about who you are and who he is. Psalm 63 is another one of my favorites. David, a man after God's own heart. Listen to what he says. Listen to his passion. He gets it. It's like, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Men, that's the hunger we need for our king. And guess what? If you don't have it right now in your heart, it's okay. But God is a God of twofers. Not only does he tell us how we could love him, but he'll actually instill it in us if we ask him. What he's looking for, guys, are hungry men. What he's looking for are seekers who say, you know, God, I love you. I know you. Maybe I can't say that today. God, I I want to know and love you more. Or maybe it's, I want to want to know and love you more. Or maybe it's, I want to want to want to know and love you more. And guess what, guys? He already knows our hearts and where we are anyway. He'll start to take those wants off one at a time until we are fully pursuing him. He's that good. He's that gracious. I want to know my king. But guys, it doesn't happen automatically. And this brings us to our second point about focus about intentionality. It's amazing how sometimes we can pursue God casually when we have spare time, when we have spare energy, when we get around to it, when our schedule, when our personal schedule is not too demanding, then I'll make some time to spend with him. Sounds crazy when we say it like that. Jesus had some pretty strong words and some pretty strong language about what it takes, the cost of being a disciple. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about following close to Jesus. In Mark 8, he talks about picking up your cross every day, daily, and following him. I'm going to read a passage from uh, Luke. Um, it's, a little, it's a little lengthy, but this is the word of God, guys. This is, this is truth. This is Jesus' words. Large crowds, so this is uh, Luke, 12, uh, 25, uh, Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. He was popular. There was a lot of people on the bandwagon. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go out and war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the others way off and sue for terms of peace. Listen to this. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Those are Jesus' words. 
everything he has cannot be my disciple. I'm not sure what everything means, but it's a lot, right? It's what he says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All is a lot too. (sighs) Singular focus, guys. I love these words wholeheartedly. I've been captivated by them um, in the Old Testament and New Testament both. Wholeheartedly, one of my favorite characters is Caleb. You guys remember Caleb? Yeah, he was one of the two to 12 spies that went in to spy out the land, right? And he came back with a good report along with Joshua. Well, later on in his life in 1414, there's a great story of, of him um, after they're going into the promised land. This is 45 years after the spies went in, right? Everybody, they wandered around the desert. That whole generation passed away except for Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb comes to Joshua and he says, you know what? You remember when you and I went in there? God promised me that he would give me the land. Every place the sole of my foot touched, he would give me. And this is the land right here. This is the hill country. It was Hebron. This actually fits in with our theme of going vertical. And Caleb's like, give me my mountain. And here's why. Because I have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. And Moses agreed with him, and so did Joshua, and so he got the land. He actually went and drove out the Anakites. I mean, he's a gnarly guy. He was 85 years when this happened, 85 years old. Crazy, good, right? He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Jesus talked about, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Ezekiel talks about an undivided heart. What are we talking about here, guys? A divided heart is one that has two masters, It's in turmoil. Half of it wants to pursue one thing and half of it wants to pursue another. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do you feel that tension inside of you between your flesh and your spirit, right? We can have a divided heart. There's nothing more tiring than having a divided heart. Anybody work for two bosses that do two different things, right? It's kind of similar to that except way worse because it's inside of us, right? A divided heart guys, is one that, yeah, the idea of pursuing God sounds good, but my flesh wants this stuff. I love the prayer in Psalm 86, 11. It's not up here, but you guys might want to write this down as a prayer. He, he, um, it says, teach me your ways and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. <sighs> there he is again. He'll give us what we need. He'll give it to us if we ask him. That's what he's looking for, guys. He's looking for earnest men who are willing to seek and pursue him with all their hearts. These these words, pure heart, I think of of gold, right? In the refiner's fire and skimming off the impurities until there's just one thing left. The good stuff, the pure stuff. My heart fully focused on him. And guys, we're not talking about sin here in terms of dividing our focus. We're talking about usually good things. Competing priorities for my attention, for my life. Good things. My work. Is my work consuming me to the point where I don't have time to pursue a relationship with my king? Where I I don't have time to go vertical because I'm too busy trying to accumulate stuff for myself. Maybe it's habits that I have. It could even be my family. Am I worshiping my own kids and my own wife above my king? A strange thing happens, guys, when we, when we get things in the right order, 
we find up we wind up with it all. <laughs> He's so good. When we put when we put him first, we get everything. We get everything. When we put stuff out of order, we miss out on a whole bunch of stuff. Right? It's a good idea. It's common sense. It's scriptural. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and what else? All these things will be given to you as well. Oh man, he's good. He's good. So guys, what does this look like? It looks like ordering my life around him. Making him my priority. We talked about passion and that's the heart. This is where it comes into play. It's like, am I going to order my day so I can spend time with my king? What do you do if you're going to train for a big event? I know a lot of guys that run marathons and stuff like that. They schedule it. Nothing comes between their training because they know if I'm going to run this race, I have to do this. Are we that intentional about pursuing our relationship with God? Am I committed to waking up every morning and before I walk out the door or before I check my phone or what else I'm going to do, I'm going to spend time with my king? That's the kind of focus. That's the kind of intentionality that the father is looking for. He's saying, put me first. Guys, the evidence is in our schedules, right? I can tell you what my priority is, but you can look at my life and you'll tell me what my priority is. And they may not match up. The evidence is where am I spending my time? Where is my treasure? Am I making him my priority? Am I intentional about pursuing my relationship with him? Hmm. God's word, our third tool, our third supply. Oh man, I could talk about this all day, guys. God's word is so rich and powerful and full of truth. But I'm going to let my good friend Brad Newberg, um, because he loves God's word like crazy too. Um, But there's some navigational aids. There are scripture references that support those. Uh, But Brad's going to talk a little bit about what the living word of God has meant to him in his life. Hello, fellow brothers in Christ. What an amazing blessing and honor it is to be able to share the next few minutes with you talking about the power of the word of God in my life. As I reflect on my own journey going vertical in my relationship with the Lord, I can think of no greater tool, no greater supply than the word of God. In John 1, 1, it states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, the Word of God is He Himself, His very essence, His very presence given to us as a tool, as a gift for us to use as we journey in proximity to Him. As I began to realize that it was he here in this book, he, his very self, I wanted to spend more and more time with him. And he showed me that it is alive. It is breathing and active. He led me to Hebrews 4.12, where it says that his word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And it is useful for dividing the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He wanted to divide that which was of me and not of him so that he could give me more of his heart. He showed me also in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that all of God's servants would be thoroughly prepared, thoroughly equipped to do good works. Mm. It has a divine purpose. He himself, as I began to spend more and more time with him through his word, showed me. He wanted to teach me, correct me. I remember early on in my, in my studies, 
I reflect on the story in 1 Samuel, where Samuel and Eli, there was an encounter where Samuel had fallen asleep, and on three different occasions, the Lord spoke to him in his sleep and called out to him. Yet when he woke, he did not respond to the Lord. He ran to Eli and said, Master, how may I serve you? And after the third time, Eli realized that it was not anyone other than the Lord who was speaking to Samuel. So he instructed Samuel and said, the next time that you lay down and our Lord speaks to you, respond in this way. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The lesson that I remember being taught in that story is that you first must know the voice of the Lord in order mm. to be able to recognize it. Come on. I crave to know his voice better. I crave that in my journey going vertical with him, that I would know his voice so as he gave me instruction, Mm. separated the attitudes and thoughts of my hearts to replace them with his, that I would be able to recognize his voice. Mm. So I began to pray, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I remember early on in my walk, he led me to a powerful, powerful scripture in Psalms 1-1 and showed me this is the man I want you to be. Mm. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, nor who stands in the way that sinners take, or who sits in the company of mockers, but rather whose delight is in the law of the Lord and the word of God and who meditates on it day and night. For he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do will prosper. God started to show me, you must meditate on my word day and night so that I may make you into the man that I designed you to be. Meditating on his word started to take shape and understanding through journaling. It was allowing for time and space for me to be still and know that he is Lord and to listen. God showed me the power of listening. He also showed me that I could not have to rely on my strength alone. For in John 14, 26, it says, The Father will send the advocate, the teacher, to teach and remind me of all things in his word. As I meditate on him, I could activate the Holy Spirit in me, the gift of the advocate, the very author himself to be my teacher. Mm. What greater source than to go to the author himself? Again, he himself, the word was God. The word is God. And he led me again to another verse, calling me deeper into my relationship and deeper into understanding this this journey of going vertical with him. And in Psalm 119, 9 through 11, I say this prayer, Lord, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? And God responded, by living according to my word. Lord, I will seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Lord, teach me. Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. I want to hide your word in my heart, Lord. And he started to show me. He showed me that memorizing his word was a very powerful tool of how I could hide his word and take his word with me every step and every direction and every moment of my life. I never had to be separated from he himself and the power of his word. He again brought me back to John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit, the advocate. He will teach and remind me of all things. So I began to pray, Holy Spirit, remind me of what you have taught me in your word that I may hide it in my heart. And he is so faithful to answer that prayer. He loves that prayer. Mm -hmm. 
So he began to hide verses in my heart, revealing them in the perfect time when trials and situations would come to me. We would say, you remember what I taught you? Hmm. Respond in love. Do not go down the path and step with the wicked. And again and again, his word would come alive through memory and through journaling and through spending intimate time with them. And I leave you with one last verse, which sums up one of the most powerful promises I've ever experienced in his word. And it's in John 14, 23. And I leave it as an encouragement to each of you. It says, in Jesus speaking, those who love me will obey my teaching and the Father will love them and we will come and make a home with them. You see, Jesus is asking for us to obey his teaching. And in order to do that, he showed me I must meditate on it day and night. I must hide it in my heart that I might always know what it is that he calls me to do. And by doing so, he will make a home with me even now. As we go vertical in our relationship with him, we all desire to be at home with him one day. But he says, you can start to experience that even now. So brothers, let us all be Psalms 1-1 men. Mm. Let us meditate on his word day and night. Let us be Psalm 119 men and hide it in our hearts that his word, the greatest tool, the greatest provision that he's ever given us would never lead our, leave our side. And he himself would be with us the entire journey as we go vertical towards him. God bless you, brothers. Mm. Thank you, Brad. Mm. Guys, his word is rich full of truth. Guys, I, I have never met a mature man of God who has an intimate relationship with, with this king who isn't a man of the word. It's the foundation. It's the foundation because it's his very words. It lets us into how he thinks, his ways, how he loves we find that all in the passages in the pages of scripture. It's an instruction manual. It's an operator's manual. Sometimes we wonder why our life is all messed up. <laughs> We're not reading the operator's manual. It'll tell us. Here's what's wrong. <laughs> and it'll tell us how to fix it. Self-feeding, a journey principle, guys. Uh, wow. There's nothing like... You know, Brad talked about the author, the Holy Spirit, right? He, he inspired these words. He gave them to the men who put it on paper. He lives in our hearts. The author lives in our hearts. How often are we asking him to teach and explain it to us? There's nothing more powerful than him revealing truth straight to our hearts. I, I, I don't know, this fresh versus leftovers. I think, you know, I, I've, I've heard a million sermons in my life. A lot. I can probably only remember on one hand specific things from them, but I can remember a lot of things that the Holy Spirit has imparted straight to my heart as I've been self feeding in His Word. Right? Everything we hear from someone else, every book we read that someone else wrote about their experience with God is like leftovers. The fresh stuff comes straight from Him. Oh, men, be men of the Word. Ask the author to teach to instruct, to reveal, to impart. And the goal of all this is not just to do it to check the box or because I should, it's because that's how I get to know him better. That's how I get to know his heart by reading and feasting in his word. That brings us to our, our next 
tool, uh, boy, guys, the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not stand a chance of victorious living. He's our teacher. As Brad said, he's a supernatural memory helper. When I want to memorize scripture, that's what I do. I, I call up John 14, 26, and I say, I want to take you up on your offer to remind me of the words of Jesus right now. Now, it does take a bit of effort and intentionality on my part. All of these fit together, right? I do have to write it out on a card and actually work at memorizing it. But when you do, guys, when we have God's word hidden in our heart, we can meditate on it any time. When, we're, when the enemy is attacking us, right, and we, the sword of the spirit, I don't have to run back home and grab this thing. Because while I'm doing that, oh, hold off, uh, devil, while I run and get the, the sword of the spirit. He's like, no, I'm going to run you through with my sword. We got to have God's word at the ready, and the Holy Spirit will do that. He will bring to mind all the things that he has taught us. He's a real person. He's as real as you and I looking at each other right now. And yet, often we don't think of him that way. We, we refer to him as, as it. He's a he. He's the third person of the Trinity. When Jesus was getting ready to leave the planet, he actually said this to his disciples. I know I've, I've said this and I've heard others say, man, if I only could have been around when Jesus was here and watched him heal the sick and teach, right? And you know what Jesus said to his disciples? A lot of you guys know where I'm going with this, right? It's better off that I leave. Why? Because unless I go, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit can't come. And he's actually not just going to be with you like I am, Jesus is saying, he's going to be in you. So he's going to be with you wherever you go. Oh, wow. He's real. He's that real. Acts 1.8, right? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and the whole world, right? Power. Guys, power for victorious living comes from the Holy Spirit, and we need to ask for more of him. We have him. We are containers of the Holy Spirit if we've trusted in Jesus. But we're taught in Luke 11 to actually ask for more of his presence in our lives. Jesus, Jesus taught this, this uh, teaching on prayer, and he says, ask with importunity, which means with bold persistence. He's like, ask me every day, multiple times a day for more of my presence in you. But then there's another part of it. The second part, so ask. Then there's another three-letter word that starts with A. It's Act. Because we don't really need the power of the Holy Spirit to just sit on the couch and be lazy. We need the power of the Holy Spirit when he activates us to get involved in his kingdom. And when we ask him and then we engage, he will fill us with power. He will give us his spirit. He's promised that he would. He's so faithful. Guys, this is the very spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the living God living in us. I love Ephesians 5.18, a crazy verse, right? Don't get drunk with wine, <laughs> which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Why would, why would Paul say that? He's saying, because when, when you're filled with my Spirit, when, when we're filled with the Spirit of Jesus, we start acting unnaturally, <laughs> right? That's what happens when you drink too, right? You start doing things that aren't natural to you. You can all of a sudden, you get up and speak in front of a group of people. You can do a bunch of stuff, Right? That's what Jesus is saying when we're filled with his Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, things that come natural to us, right? Like fear, anxiety, worry, we can overcome those because of his power in us. And what he's saying here, he's saying, live supernaturally. Take my spirit that's in you and let him live through you. Communication. 
We need to be in communication with our Father at all times. Communication is two-way. It involves speaking and listening. We often get the speaking part, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to talk to God. I'm going to tell him what I need. I'm going to tell him what my troubles are. And that's part of it. But there's the listening part. And I, I hope today that we spent some good time listening to our Father in these last couple of hours as we were outside. Communication involves these set-aside times. When Jesus was here, he did this often. It says he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. They'd be like, disciples, you guys go ahead. I'll catch up with you later. <laughs> I'm going to meet with my dad. I'm going to spend time with my dad. I'm going to get my batteries recharged by talking to my father. And sometimes the disciples would see him come back and they'd see the power that was in him. They were like, teach us to pray too. <laughs> we want in on that. Speaking and listening to our father and set aside times where we, where we earnestly seek his face in times of quietness. The ACTS acronym was spoke about this morning, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. If you don't have a, a structured way to come before the father in a balanced way to speak and listen, this is a good, a good tool to use. The prayer cottage and the sacred garden, a beautiful way to progress through a season of structured prayer. But then there's also the informal talks throughout the day, the conversations, being present with each other. I'm trying to work on this part here with the we. Um, just talking to the Holy Spirit as if he's sitting next to me in my truck, which I know he's actually closer than that, but sometimes I'm on the way to work in the morning. I'm a project manager and an estimator for a heavy civil construction company. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's a lot of demands, really busy, no different than any of you guys. And I'll be like, you know, Spirit, we got a lot of estimating to do today. <laughs> How are we going to get that done? Or you know what? You know what's coming at this meeting. There's this guy that really pushes my buttons. How are we going to deal with that with grace and love? <sighs> He's up for that, guys. He's up for empowering us to live life under his influence. Speaking and listening, the we. Guys, the last, the last thing here is we need support. We need others on the journey with us. Isolation, wow. You know what isolation does? It gives safe haven to lies. The enemy loves isolation because then he could just whisper in our ears and there's no other brother there to say, you know what? That's not true. That's a lie. Of course, we always have the Holy Spirit, but if we're not listening to him, it's always good to have other brothers around. You guys know this cord of three strands is, is not easily broken, right? There's power, there's strength in brotherhood, in unity. It's the body of Christ. It's interdependence. We all need each other. We've all been gifted in unique ways. God placed us all in a different place in his kingdom. Together is where the power comes from. Together. Working together as the body of Christ. I like this picture. I, I, I would like to be the third guy from the right. Do you see the guy with the blue? Yeah. You see, he's, he's following in the footsteps of the guy in red in front of him. I like to think that's his mentor. That's another believer who's walked some of this ground before, and he's following in his footsteps. But look, there's someone behind him too. I can also be providing that to someone else. So there's an idea of, of receiving from a mentor and also mentoring and shepherding someone else along the path. Who's the guy in the front? Yeah. 
Be careful who you hook your carabiner to, right? You better make sure that the guy in the red, the second guy in line, has his hooked up to Jesus, right? Because otherwise, you're, we're following the wrong guy, right? Ultimately, we each want to be connected to Jesus individually. But guys, we need encouragement from our brothers. I'm so thankful for all, all of my brothers that I have. I'm so thankful. God has used them powerfully in my life. And then it's awfully fun, guys, to encourage each other as we share stories of his exploits in our lives. <laughs> like he does crazy good stuff in our lives. And when we hear it in others' lives, it actually encourages us. This is Revelation 19.11 says, the testimony of Jesus, in other words, the stories of what Jesus has done in your life are, are, are the spirit of prophecy. In other words, they're prophetic. They'll actually bring it out in others as well. And as we share what he does, it encourages, it builds momentum around the kingdom. So guys, I want to wrap up here just with, with what I need to go vertical. This is it. Building our passion our purpose, focus on his love for us, on his love for you. <sighs> Is he worth pursuing? Follow that up, guys, then with a commitment, with focus, with intentionality, because you know what? Purpose, which is desire, desire without commitment is really just wishful thinking. We've got to follow it up. We've got to link it up. We say, yes, God, I want you. I want you. I want to know and love you, but I'm not willing to invest the time to do it. We've got to couple those up. And then using God's word, feasting in it, the living word of God, explained to us by the author, the Holy Spirit. We speak and we listen all throughout our day. Means of communication. I want to wrap up with this, guys. I, I, I've... I thought this way for a long time, and I'm, I'm just learning this, that this idea of the inner chamber, this idea of going vertical is not a day trip. It's a destination. I, I used to think this not long ago. I still think I do sometimes. It's like my time to go vertical, my time to spend in the inner chamber is in the morning when I get in his word. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's every week when I go to church. That's my time to go vertical. That's not, the, that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about living in that place all the time. We had fun with this in our journey group this year, Psalm 23.5, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit hit us with this hard. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this picture of a tabletop, a mesa, it's up high. It's up high in the mountains. It's this flat spot, right? But notice it says, in the presence of my enemies. And just picture this flat spot that God has created, right? Going vertical, right? And he says, stay there. Life is going to continue with its circumstances up and down, but I've prepared a table for you. You can stay here. Live there. Don't just come up and then go down and come up and go down. Live there. Exodus, this is my last um, passage of, well, no, it isn't. I got two more, but uh, passage of scripture. I love this story. Uh, Moses um, had just been up on Mount Sinai. He came down and guess what, right? The people had made a golden calf already. <laughs> it didn't take them long. But Moses had been for 40 days. He was on the mountain face to face with God. Right? And, and God had given him instructions on the Ten Commandments and also to build the tabernacle. 
But Moses, he, he didn't want to wait to have the whole tent of meeting built. I never knew, noticed this before a month or two ago as I was reading this passage in self-feeding. This is in Exodus 33. I thought it was the coolest thing. It says, now Moses used to, t- used to t- so this is before he, they built the tabernacle. Listen, listen to this. He says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. This was like the impromptu tabernacle. He couldn't wait. He's like, I don't want to wait. I don't want to have to climb all the way back up the mountain to get in the presence of the Lord. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, which represented his presence, would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man with his friend. Now listen to this last verse. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. <laughs> Joshua's like, I'm not going back into the camp. <laughs> like the, the presence of my God is in this, this tent. I'm staying here. Like he's, he decided he was going to live in the tent. He was going to stay in the tent because that's where the presence of God was. Guys, that's our call. Our call isn't to go up and then descend and go up and descend. Our call is to go and stay in his presence. That's what that little house is there. Like that guy, he likes to live on the heights, right? That's it. That's where we want to be building a shelter for ourselves in the presence of the King. And this is my last scripture because it says it all in Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Here, this is right in with our theme for the weekend. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his savior. Such is the generation right here of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Guys, let's be men who go after his heart. Let's pursue him with everything we have. And guess what? Everything else will take care of itself. Let's wrap, close in prayer. Father God, your word is true You've designed us to have fellowship with you. Forgive us for placing many other things before that, before you. Would you reveal to our hearts now as we go and we talk about these truths, where it is that you want us to to change so that we can pursue you wholeheartedly with an undivided heart so that we could seek you with all of our heart, Father. Would you help us with that? Would you give us the gift of faith to believe these powerful truths in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, uh, we're going to go now and go to your groups and, and let's, let's marinate and talk about these truths, okay? Well, again, that was John Van Linden, who uh, spoke at SOTO, our national summit, a few weeks ago and, and was talking about the nourishment for the journey. So anyway, uh, I want to remind you to go to our website, www.influencers.org, where you can find lots more information about getting involved with the journey group or also other podcasts and blogs that we've produced that you might find helpful to you on your journey. 
but we're here to help you any way we can. So anyway, this has been the Influencers Network Podcast. I've been your host, Brian Craig. I'm going to keep encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.